You're listening to Office Hours, a series of curious conversations with Belfer Center experts. We sat down with Juliette Kayem, a lecturer in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School, who previously served as President Obama's Assistant Secretary for Intergovernmental Affairs at the Department of Homeland Security. What is safety and security? So good. I mean, what is what does it mean to secure our nation? Is it is it to prevent deaths? Right. Is it to prevent fear? Is it? I mean, there's all the above. Yeah. So it's it involves. Uh, you know, technically, there are five steps uh, in yeah. safety and security, mitigation, pre- response, uh, prevention, protection, and then recovery. Okay, so that's like the, if you took my class, that's what you're going to get right. out of it. Okay. Um, uh, but in discourse, it's essentially um, uh, efforts, and not yes. simply government, uh, uh, societal efforts to minimize risk uh, and respond when disaster strikes. Okay. To minimize risk and respond when disasters yeah. occur. Because I never talk about are we safe. I hate. I mean, I hate that question. Yeah. Uh, the answer is no. No, never. The answer is never no. safe. Right. So, and if you actually sort of get your head around that, then yeah. then what you're really aiming for is making us safer. And part of making us safer is trying to stop bad things from happening. Yes. But part of making us safer is also uh, preparing society for. Uh, responding better, uh, rebounding stronger, should disaster actually strike, which it, it will. And is disaster defined as like a single moment or event for you guys? I mean, sometimes do we need to protect ourselves from ourselves? Right. Talk about health or yes. Cut, I mean, you can. You can. This. It's like the word terrorism. You can yeah. define it so broadly sure. that it encompasses everything. And in some ways, you know, our public health apparatus is related to our homeland security because right. in a you know, if you have a H1N1 yes. incident, you're you're essentially driving a vaccine sure. through our not so vigorous public health system. Um, so of course, everything is part of it, and that's why people like me talk about the homeland security enterprise. I don't actually talk about the Department of yes. Homeland Security where I work that much. Oh, that's why it's mm-hmm. actually all sort of cumulative efforts that minimize risk and uh, uh, prepare us. Uh, for response, recovery, and ultimately so resiliency. Like mental illness, for instance. I mean, these are all things that you guys have to worry about and yes. roll into your plans yes. and strategies. Yes, but sometimes I think um, issues like mental mm. illness, which are obviously a big deal, yes. uh, sometimes get thrown out there, in at least in, in particular in the gun control debate, right. as a mm. way to distract from the most obvious solution ever. People always ask me, well, you're, you know, security mom's the name of my podcast. Like, you know, how do we make our kids safer? And the the top five, the top four will be uh, gun control. Right. I mean, if I thought about how my, what what my kids are most at risk at, it's going to be guns. More than a terrorist or an ISIS, you know, member. So what does, do you want to know what the fifth is? To vaccinate. To vaccinate. I mean, like, I don't flu. get. Have you got your flu shot this year? Yes, and I okay. don't get. As I said, my husband was sick. He does not have the flu. Okay. I don't get. Uh, nor am I tolerant of the act anti-vaccine movement, mm. and I have a lot of enemies for that. But like, I, I don't get it. I mean, I literally, it you know, it's progressive. So it's the same people who look at the science about climate change and are willing to say, you know, yes. we're going to hell in a handbasket. Right. Look at the data. Do you think that's more about protecting their individual choices? Yeah, is but that that's, part of it? Is but that... that's, it is. And that's why we have to begin to view ourselves uh, uh, as all part 
of accumulative fabric that makes us safer and secure. So, yes, that's your individual choice in yes. the same way that it's your choice not to wear a helmet when yes. you're riding a bike. But if I hit you and you have brain damage, it's yes. actually now my choice, right? Yes. You know. And so what I always say about people who... Yeah. Um, you know, promote choice in that sense is, um, I don't doubt that they love their children. They right. should not doubt that I love my children. What I'm quite confident who I'm, they're vaccinated. I'm quite confident is that I love their children more than they love mine. Oh boy. Right. Because the yes. only reason why they can even have these thoughts about not vaccinating right. is because they know I have, because if, I mean, if polio came back, right. Yes. Right. Exactly. Disastrous. It's disastrous. So let's 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 translate a I, lot of what I you digress. Do. <laughs> no, no, no. This is good. Actually, this is a great transition. So you've worked at the highest levels in terms of uh, crisis management and, and response to threats and that sort of stuff. And I'm interested in how it translates to your your home life, yes. which is exactly you know what you what you just referenced. Right. I mean, do you have you're almost trained to consider every single threat out there? Do you have like 17 security systems? No, do your no, kids no. have GPS? No. chips in their arms? I like, don't even know their passwords. I'm like the worst. I don't even know their passwords on their iPhones. Like, um, no. So, I mean, just going back to this yeah. idea. So after I left government, um, and you sort of have the luxury of sort of looking at, at both the successes and failures. Um, and I think one of our biggest failures, the apparatus that I was a part of, is not being able to translate it to people, to yes. the very people that we're trying to protect, but the very people who we need to engage in their own safety and security. And so, um, you know, I'd like to say you know, we, we managed uh, we managed to communicate in a way in which we either um, made people uh, tune out or freak out. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's a third option, which is right. to engage. And so um, as I was thinking through, so what is it that we want from people? I realized and to build a more resilient nation, a more prepared nation, I realized, well, those are the same attributes that anyone who has kids. But it's not just a security mom, which is what I call myself, yeah. but um, anyone who is responsible for family or friends, security dads, security uncles, I don't care. And um, and those basic attributes, right? And they should sound familiar, you know, capacity to pivot, planning, flexibility, uh, lessons learned, all of the things that we do in our daily life um, are really the attributes for a stronger nation. And so when I talk about preparedness, it's what are the basic things that you would regret? Yes not having done should something happen. So it's not like I'm prepared for every contingency. Right. It's just 90% of the time, yes. if something were to happen, um, the same tools will apply no matter what the thing is, which is I just want to know where my kids are and I want to get everyone home if that's feasible. So the name of your podcast is Security Mom and the name of your upcoming book uh, so, coming yeah. out in 2016, it has Security long, Mom yes. and un, the Unclassified Guide to Protecting Our Homeland and Your Home. Yes. Now, it's the unclassified. Don't we want the classified guide? I mean, the idea that the reason why we collect data and get all the secret info, that's what helps us catch the terrorists. Is that not? What, it, what am it, I missing here? No, no. It, 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 well, part of it is, yes, there's this whole world of classified and, uh, and prevention and right. whatever. But... Um, that's not helpful to people, right? I mean, that's not, I mean, in the sense, what we want people to engage in is rational risk assessments, rational preparedness of themselves and their families and their communities. Uh, and there are big policy issues that we need to fix, gun control, climate change, a public health apparatus that needs to get stronger. stronger. Uh, but there are also personal 
tools that we yeah. can use. And, and the reason why I'm pushing for this is not simply because we're all adult human beings who can rationally discuss risk right. and uh, make decisions based on that. Um, uh, but because the more that people are individually prepared and family prepared and community prepared, the less stress there will be on a public safety apparatus. I mean, the basic principle is, I'll be careful, I'll put it in G, yeah. stuff happens. Yeah. You don't have to be in the intel world to know that. Yes. Like, you just have to look around the world. Stuff happens. And it's, it could be a, a, a virus, a snowstorm, yes. a hurricane, uh, two brothers who live down the street from yeah. me who show up at the marathon. Stuff happens. Yes. And no matter how much you put into prevention in the classified world, let me tell you, stuff happens. And, and the best, and so the book, just going back to one of the, the way I tell this story, instead of you know being at this sixty-four thousand Kennedy School, you know, foot level, okay. is I actually tell it through memoir because it seemed to me that the best way I could do that is say, look, I get it, I get the you know, I, I get how hard it is and how busy we are and everything, but here's um, here's the lessons I learned in the in it. I tell a story about. I, I served on transition for Obama and I described what the transition was like and how, you know, I'm briefed on every scary person and every scary thing, whatever. And, you know, we're ready and, you know, the classified world and we're totally ready. Yeah. And then I get there and literally like seven days later, I get called into a hastily convened meeting with the Secretary of Homeland Security, getting briefed out by an intelligence briefer saying uh, the World Health Organization is about to go to level four, which is wow. a pandemic or something, and uh, children are dying in Mexico from from this thing called H1N1, which mm. none of us had heard Never of. Never heard of. Um, mm. And so you can, you can, the classified world's important. It, things will just happen. So, can we say actually, shit? Can we say shit? I actually say the four-letter word in the book, which is like, mom, shit. I'm this sorry. Too. Yeah. Okay. This is a family show. It's a family, yeah, sure. Okay. Somebody watch, you know. <laughs> so, but... Uh, so you're saying this, the same principles we use to, that we want to protect our, our homeland are the same that we should in our home. Yeah. Now, it's more the day-to-day the -day, uh, is left up to the parents, um, yeah. and um, the backup plans are things that you have to prepare for. Yeah. So is it more like, you know, make sure you're prepared, but let the good times roll, whether or not you want to... Stuff happens. However you want to do things. Yeah. And, and I would say most parents get that, right? I mean, in other words, you know, yes, you want to protect your children, but at some stage they're going to want to ride a bike and, you know, yeah. I mean, was a, and what you can do is minimize the risk yes. for them. And what's happened is on things like bike riding or, um, carpooling or, you know, sports, you know, we're, we're, we're embedded with this sure. safety and security parental thing. Sure. But then when it comes to, my God, something really bad could happen. I haven't done I haven't done five minutes of planning in that regard. Yeah. Um, that's that's the disjoint, and I blame I blame the experts. I blame me, and I blame people like me who spent a lot of time either in the classified world in which we thought we could stop everything, and right. then I got over that quickly, <laughs> or thinking that this was a, a government effort and that we didn't have to engage. Um, and so I'm trying to make. Homeland Security a lot about you know a lot like how we think about relatable, our kids' education. Right. Where, where is your line? Because I'm very unrelatable. <laughs> it was really hard. You've pretty much done everything. There yeah, is to no, do, but I mean, which... it's like, I, you know, I'm a good, uh, what do I want? Like, in a, when I was trying to figure out how do I tell this story, and sort yeah. of people were saying, you should tell it as memoir because you actually are a security mom. Um, 
you know, that I fumble and, you know, make mistakes and all that stuff and willing to admit them. I, I'm not like, you don't look at me and think, like, she killed people with her bare hands. <laughs> right. right. Or maybe I did. Unless you were to say, I mean, I you'll can't. You'll never know. I can't quite get the image out of my mind when I think about the feature film of Security Mom. Oh, my Are God. Are you going to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger? As me? You just, just I love me it. Out. I mean, he was good in Junior. And you know, you know I have really this slight obsession junior. with Julianne Margulies and The Good Wife. Oh, right. So if we weren't so lucky, okay. I would have to sort of have that in the contract. Great. Okay, good. I'm glad we got that taken yeah. care of now. Well, she would be really now. great. Okay. So you've done pretty much everything. You've been, in, you've been in the media, you've been in politics, you've been in government, you've been in the I private sector. I was in the circus. You're, you were in the circus? No, I'm joking. Okay, I was going to say, what was your, if you had a, <laughs> what is your circus fantasy role that you would have? Lion tamer? Oh my! Um, the one of those people oh, that, that wheel around good. on the things. What do no, you? No, I mean like every uh, uh, your bad singer in her mid forties. I would, I would like to be Beyonce. You would like to be Beyonce. That would be my dream. She's way better than the circus. I know. But wow. What would it be like to be her? I don't even, I don't I even know. know where to start. I know. Girl can dream. <laughs> so, so you've done a lot of stuff. Yes. You're very busy. You have three kids. Yes. In the in the in the conversation about women and how to balance all these things, what gets missed by people like Sheryl Sandberg and Andrew oh, Slaughter? So what? I know them both. Sheryl was in my class um, at Harvard. Yeah. Anne Marie Slaughter, I've worked with. Um, so. Uh, What's important to me, yeah. I guess I put it this way, is that my contributions to this debate yes. um, are actually about the substance of my work. Like, yes. In other words, what I want to contribute to a dialogue about security mom or families yeah. and is actually what I do. So it's, I don't view like it as separate yes. um, where... Um, I think the debates or the important contributions that both Cheryl and Anne-Marie make are um, sort of about outside their work, about the substance of their work. And um, I just, I feel more comfortable being in, in, in the lane that I know and yeah. having people learn about, well, how does she do it? And I describe in my book, like, sometimes I don't. Yeah. My husband has, a, has had jobs that have made my career uh, more feasible. Yeah. Uh, there were five years between 2001 and 2006 when I was not in government service. Yes. Uh, and I had three kids. That was good timing. I mean, you know, so, so the idea that there's like a single narrative in anyone's life, is just BS. And yeah. I think the only criticism I have of those discussions is, um, is that it, sort of posits that there's a singular solution that would work. And I just, I don't think it is. First of all, let me just say the obvious. My kids are healthy. Yes. I have friends whose kids are not healthy. And the idea that I can say anything meaningful to to them about work-life balance, like it's just ridiculous. I have three totally happy, healthy kids, knock on wood, and a a husband who's healthy except for tonight yes. um, or today. I was running but late. he doesn't have the flu. He does not have the flu. Okay. Or at least so he says. Okay, well, he might I'm just be home. trying to appease you. Security mom's husband cannot get the flu. It's Headline news. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like 
you are more interested in saying there are so many different factors out there and we're trying to string one single narrative about how to make it work and it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind yeah. of just a load of shit. Yeah. And give and, yourself a break. Yeah. And yeah. just kind of respond. It's actually pretty similar to the stuff you're saying yeah. about how to run. Stuff happens. Stuff like, happens. Like, look at, I mean, my career, people are like, oh, you've done all this stuff and you have three kids. And yeah. like, let's just talk about the basic architecture of my career. I am in Cambridge, Massachusetts because my husband, I fought, literally, I'll use the verb, followed him because mm-hmm. he got a teaching job at Harvard Law School. Now, I've obviously made a career here. I've been involved in government, politics. Well, right. Yeah. But, I mean, the idea, like, like, you know, I'm going to hide from that narrative. That's yes. just part of my narrative. Yes. And followed is the right verb. Right. I remember when I was writing the book, I was like trying to find all these different verbs. Yes. Like I was embarrassed to follow it. I was like, using like the rhyming dictionary followed, or something, right? Okay. Know. Yeah, right. exactly. What I've been hearing a lot about cybersecurity. Yes. What is that? Is it like an Xbox game? <laughs> is it? What is it? Well, it's good that you're asking that because a lot of people, I mean, before I say what it is, um, there's a theory out there that um, there's this thing called the cyber industrial complex, which is a lot of people are making a lot of money on um, cyber defenses. But essentially, uh, cybersecurity is ensuring that individuals, states, localities, federal government, private sector um, have the basic... Uh, policies in place to protect themselves from in uh, intrusion, disruption, or whatever else. So Sony's a perfect example. Oh, right. The Sony hack. Yeah. Is it kind of just a fancy word? I mean, identity theft has been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just another version of that? And yeah, we're taking it to another scale? A, a much bigger scale. So, yeah. you know, obviously infrastructure. Everything's online now. Infrastructure, the OPM breach. Should everything be online? The OPM breach? I, I, I'm, well, I'm with you on that. Why or at least your question. Why was it online? I, couldn't, I did not get it. I mean, and I was breached. You were breached. I don't understand. First of all, like, the amount of information you have to get uh, you have to disclose for a classified uh, uh, to be in that space um, to get uh, security clearance is a lot. And I say this openly in the book. So, I'm, you know, I had postpartum depression. I was on drugs. You know, I have used drugs when I was younger. Like you disclose this stuff. I don't really I'm like 46. Like I dream of having like an exciting life. So like I can say that now, you know, <laughs> like looking back, you're like, oh, what was that so like? You were born you know? in the 70s in California. <laughs> it wasn't just, exactly. wasn't just serial killers. Uh, right, exactly. You were I was out 69. With. I was right, that's okay. But, you know, so I have, um, so, but you do disclose it for the honor. There's like a quid pro quo. It's the yeah. honor of working for government, but the government sort of assures that those disclosures that do not make you a menace to uh, national security will be protected. And they broke their bargain. And I have no idea. Because once you get a security clearance, unless you go to another level, they're not updated. They're not updated. Unless you request for it so to be updated. So who's accountable for this? I mean, if, if how many millions of Americans? 21 million. That's a lot of people. It's, and it's a lot, mostly that's, military, that's but it's also huge. covert assets, which is the scariest Horrible. part. Um, and if people don't understand why that's a big deal, it's not a big deal for them because their identities are generally protected. What's a big deal is you actually disclose your family members. And so, yeah. you know, if a covert operative is caught, you know, they might they might be trained to deal with all sorts of coercion. Sure. But if they say your uh, your daughter Right. is looking really nice these days. How old is she? Oh, 17. Oh, and she lives at, you know, 12 Maple Road in yeah. Cleveland. Right. That stuff. It's really you know? scary. Yeah, it's really scary. Um, and so I, I have I have no idea why Can it was online. somebody get fired for that? I mean, I feel like I haven't no. gotten any... So I think the biggest challenge is... But, but, but this is where... This is where I say, like, we're all responsible. Like, um, I think OPM thought 
Well, cyber cybersecurity is North Korea and the Defense Department right. and Homeland Security and the CIA. It's not us. Right. Well, of course, it's everyone. For high-level officials, is it just a bad idea, generally speaking, to have a personal email address? Or, I mean, because then you are yeah, I mean, open to... Let me I have my legal. own company. Uh, I have a Kennedy School email. There is nothing you could do or enough you could pay me to get me off my Gmail. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard. And so maybe instead of right. thinking, yeah, maybe instead of thinking, well, stay off of it, maybe we have to adapt our rules, including yeah. our rules of classified information, adapt our rules under the assumption that people's networks are all combined, right? right? I mean, when I was in government between 95 and 2000, literally, the only way you could read secure classified documents was you went into a SCIF and there was a computer. Right. I mean, the idea that you can read them on your mm. encrypted handle is like crazy. That's a little crazy. I mean, but the way of the world. Now, we're nearing the end here, but I want to ask you one more, a couple more little short questions about the Olympics. Oh. So, which... So, I'm an Olympics girl in a non-Olympics city. It's but, very sad. But you're advising LA. Is I've that talked right? to the, I've talked to LA a couple times in terms of how to map out their security uh, planning. They're they're far away from I mean, it. Nine years in advance. I know. How much How much do you have to know nine years in advance? Not not much in terms of. Um, I mean, our timeline. I'll, I mean, you know, people pay me money for this, but I'll uh, I'll tell you it for free. Um, nice. The timeline for any. Um, mega event, because I do a lot of mega event planning, that's a lot of my clients are in that space, uh, uh, you're really going to ramp up the two years before, because you really can't do traditional safety right. and security um, until you have the sites, and site selection is a long process. Also, technology will change in a way that makes, uh, hopefully, crowd control and, um, uh, and me mega events more nimble in terms of people's access to spaces. Uh, the Olympics would have been, I mean, for someone in my space where I really like to think about security holistically, so right. I'm, you know, I'm not the person, you know. It's not to prevent everything. It's to make no, sure but also, also people like, have a good people, time. You right. know, people who have companies, um, uh, you know, I, I don't do tactics. Like, there's people who will go into your facility and say uh, you need an eight-foot wall, not a six-foot uh, wall. I don't, big picture. I'm big picture. I mean, I, that's the world I live in in terms yeah. of policy and stuff. And so in terms of big picture, you know, um, the Olympics would have been a blast yeah. for my, my space because uh, there is a way to be secure and welcoming. Um, but you're never going to be perfectly secure, not even not for an Olympics. So it's a it's a balancing. It's not just balancing privacy, which which usually it's it's the spectrum. It's like sec too much security. I mean, or it's uh, too little security. You know, and too right. little privacy. Uh, you're, you're saying there's no access here, which is also just flow and enjoyment um, and things like that, where you need to yeah. balance all those things. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I say you know, Homeland Security. Uh, is more about the homeland than it is about security. Because, like, for example, I know how to have a perfectly safe Boston Marathon. True. You don't have the marathon. And so you just are constantly judging, well, okay, I want the marathon, so then what does that mean that I can minimize risk? I say to mothers all the time, or fathers, you know, you, you know, we want more security, right, for those pushing for more security. Okay, do you know what more security means? It means... For people like me and my peer group, when you're on Amazon Prime because you've forgotten to get lunch boxes and school starting in three days, um, and Staples is out, like yeah. this is my life. Yes, you know it. It arrives. Click that it, button, and it's the next day. And if you believe that that's your God-given right, which I believe it is, nice. Um, that's that's flow. Um, but 
I, Homeland Security is more like Goldilocks than it is about some perfect, you know, sure. it's, sometimes it's too hot, sometimes it's too cold. Maybe we'll try to get to just right, but it's sure. constantly going to change. Julia, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Is that this it? This is great. Yeah. Okay, I think we're, we're going to join the circus? Yeah. <laughs> we should. Good. Office Hours was produced by the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. 